But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's on the back of your shirt. Dude, dude, a little free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are back for another episode of the 9 by 9 This is episode 81. Last episode of July of the best 81 square meters. 80, episode 81 of the best 81 square meters of the best content of uh, in volleyball. My name is Everett Delorme, joined as always by almost 30 now, Mr. Hey. Rob Sinclair. 29 <laughs> this this past weekend had a birthday happy belated rob thanks buddy how, how are you feeling now that you're you're almost to the 30 club with yeah, the, I, the old men like me oh great yeah i'm officially 29 i'm almost old like everett uh yeah 29 means nothing it's just when you're closer to the that magical 30 number we'll see how i feel about that uh this time next year but yeah it was a fun birthday weekend my birthday was on friday um, had some good times and uh, even had a little bit of volleyball to watch as I, you know, recovered from the weekend yesterday. I got to watch some Challenger Cup finals. So uh, we got uh, we got a little bit to talk about here as we take a kind of a bit of a break before Continental Championships later this summer. But uh, there's still volleyball to talk about. Uh, let's talk about Challenger Cup, Everett. We now know who is going to play the VNL next summer. And if you ask me, I'm pretty stoked about the two teams that won these tournaments. Uh, let's start off. On the women's side, congratulations to France. The French women win the Challenger Cup at home in Laval. They beat Sweden 3-1 to one in the final. And France will play VNL next summer in anticipation of France playing in next summer's Olympics at home in Paris. So if you ask me, this kind of couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, We'll certainly talk about Sweden in a minute and uh, and Isabel Hawk trying to carry that team uh, single-handedly to VNL and coming up just short. But uh, I think France is pretty legit. They're going to they're gonna fit just fine in VNL. They, I don't think that they're going to get relegated from VNL. I think they're going to um, definitely be competitive. Um, we'll, we can talk about kind of their VNL outlook. But this team looks pretty good. They've got some legitimate talent on the wings that that are playing in the best leagues in the world they've got so so decently well-rounded offense i was pretty impressed with the french women over the weekend playing at home certainly helped but uh it's going to be very significant for them to be able to use next summer's vnl as a practice ground to host the olympics in paris next summer yeah massive for the french women to, to be able to get in uh i believe that makes it 10 teams now or no, back up to nine because China's been nine teams now that have both men and women uh, in in the VNL competition. Mm. So good, big up for France. I mean, I know nothing until this weekend. I knew nothing about French women's volleyball other than the the LNV, of course. But I know anything about their national team. So it's going to be exciting next year to kind of you know, be more aware of some French players as they get ready to not only compete like they're going to be on the biggest stages of 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 next year with VNL. The biggest. And uh, and the World Championship, so we're definitely have to watch them a little bit more during the Euro, um, this this the Euros, the CEVs um, later on in the year. But yeah, big up, big ups to France, big up, big ups to France. I mean, it was a it was an interesting field, you know. I think when you look at the men's side with teams like Ukraine and Turkey, you know, maybe maybe even Qatar, since they had a pretty good result. We'll talk about that. These are teams that. Could compete and are arguably better than some teams in 
in the men's vena. Whereas I'm, I'm very lukewarm. Like there's no like definitive team when I look at the women's field and be like, this is this is the team that I want to be in the VNL. Of course, everyone wanted Hawk. She's one of the best players in the world, but the team around her with the rest of Sweden isn't quite there. And I mean, we saw it on day one. They went down 0-2 to Mexico and almost you know got three down by Mexico, but were able to pull off the reverse sweep ultimately to to come back. So big ups to France for for, for winning this one. Yeah, I think as far as uh, I agree with that take, as far as women's teams go that I was looking forward to seeing potentially next year's VNL, I definitely was rooting for France just kind of for the good of the game because, yeah, they're hosting next summer's Olympics. They are going to be a factor in next summer's Olympics, whether we like it or not. And as far as I mean, we've seen teams in the Olympics in the past who get like the automatic qualification as the hosts. Some of them are certainly better than others. I think back to uh, in London in 2012 where both the great britain men's and women's teams were both uh pretty much doormats of all the teams that they played we've we've had some pretty bad like thanks for participating sort of teams in the olympics before i don't think france is one of them i think the french women when they go to vnl next year they'll be pretty legit they're definitely better than teams like korea and thailand i also think they're better than bulgaria uh they're definitely they're definitely better than croatia was this year uh let's see who else are they better than I think they're kind of in like the they, they they could be competitive with a team like the Netherlands. They could maybe be competitive with a team like the Dominican Republic on a good day. Like uh, some of the individual performances from this French women's team. I mean, Helena Cazotte, listen to this stat line in the final. This is insane. 23 for 37 attacking, 62% kills, 51% efficiency, and in reception. 45% perfect, 68% positive, plus two aces for 25 points in four sets. That's as good of a stat line as I've seen all year anywhere in any competition, especially on the women's side. Like, that's an absolute masterclass. And I've called some of Kazot's games in Italy, actually, so I was familiar with her. I knew she was a baller, but I didn't know, I didn't know she was like this. Like, this, this is sick. That's an incredible stat line. And the nice thing about France was that she wasn't the only player. Uh, Lucille, Lucille Giquel, sorry, my French isn't very good, was similarly good. I mean, tw- uh, 23 points, 19 for 46. They were decently good in the middle. They had nine aces as a team to only nine errors plus 10 blocks. Like, this French team was actually the best team in the Challenger Cup. Sure, they got, they got a good draw and they got uh, the, the home court advantage, but I think they deserve to be in VNL a little bit more than Sweden does right now. Yeah, I mean, hey, they won the game, right? And I sure think that, that in itself. But uh, you're right. I'm excited to watch some of these uh, some of these French players and, and these teams. But big ups to big ups to France for 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 winning it all. Yep. So let's look at the entire Challenger Cup women's bracket. You see, there's Sweden uh, getting to the final. You see uh, Ukraine. I think they ended up taking third. Not the not the third Fourth. place. In the, the, oh yeah, they, they lost to Colombia. Yeah, completely. lost. Lost to Colombia. In the completely Britain. doesn't matter. Yeah that, yeah, that bronze medal match is completely meaningless. Uh, yeah, I think this was kind of always going to be a two-team race. It is uh, a, a huge benefit to host this tournament because you get the one seed. So France got an incredibly easy free win over Vietnam on day one where, like you talked about, Sweden um, <laughs> had to fight through Mexico. They went down 0-2 and had to, had to bring that one back. Uh, let's talk about Sweden for a minute. I, my take on them is that I, I know that they they were pushing hard towards making it to VNL this year. I know they, they they ran through Golden League, tried their best to make it as far in this tournament as they could. But I'm not sure that 
playing next year's VNL would have been a good thing for them. I think that even though Isabel Hawk is a world-class player, she's one of those best four opposites in the world. I kind of think that, like you said, Everett, the rest of the team around her is not there yet. And if she, if, if they had, if they had played VNL, they would have, they would have chucked seventy balls a game to Isabel Hawk. She would have yep. been run into the ground. Everybody would have game planned against her, and I think that would have been overall bad for her individually and for Sweden as a team to jump into VNL maybe a year too early. So, mm-hmm. I, and Sweden clearly is improving. I think the rest of their team needs another year, maybe two years, before they're ready to to go to a tournament like VNL and not completely be a one-man show. They probably need a, a little bit more than that. I mean, yeah. I know they have the younger Hawk, Anna Hawk as well, but they just don't have it around them. And let's be honest, like the Swedish leagues, they're, they're nowhere even near, right? Like the, the, their, their top players playing in the Swedish leagues is, you know, like college kids from Canada. And like there's a difference between university and college. Go and play Swedish. Sweden didn't do pretty well, so I'm not entirely sure we're ever going to see Sweden at the at the VNL, which is t- too bad for uh, Isabel Hawk. But it's just kind of the way she goes sometimes. Sometimes it is. I mean, yeah, you're a superstar player from a country that doesn't have a whole lot of volleyball pedigree, and uh, I mean, if if you're Hawk, I think you should kind of take advantage of that for now while you're able to have a little bit of an off season. But uh, Sweden is getting a little bit better. I know that Isabel Hawk's sister Anna Hawk is going to play in Italy this year. I think she's yep. playing outside for Cuneo and there's one or two other um, sort of respectable like maybe international caliber athletes on that Sweden team but ball control wise uh, in the middle they weren't very good setter libero I wasn't very impressed so they've they've got plenty of work to do before they get to VNL so I think the right team ended up winning this tournament and and France was good they were clearly the best team but also there's the obvious fact that they're playing the Olympics next year and uh, they're going to get to see those Olympic caliber opponents next year before the Olympics. I think that's a big deal. How about Croatia, who doesn't even make it out of the first round? That was, oof. Oof, that was, you know, you lost to the team that got fourth, right? You lost to the team in the quarterfinals that got fourth. So just really, really not a good showing from Croatia, which is really too bad because I thought they were pretty decent last year's last year's VNL, and I remember Croatia even back in 2019 when Canada was going through the Challenger Cup and being wary of them having, I think they went to five with, with Canada in the finals. Um, so uh, that year, I mean, it was a little bit different. Canada was like leading the game and then Autumn Bailey, one of our last hitters tore her ACL in the third set and just rattled our team. So they had to, you know, open the door a little bit for, for Croatia, but yeah, this probably is going to be the last we see from, from Croatia. I, I would I would assume. Certainly seems like it. I mean, they went down 0-2 to Ukraine in the first round, 25-15, 25-15. Oh, I mean, that's, that's ugly. That's not even remotely competitive. That's uh, rather embarrassing, I would say. And, uh, yeah, none of their – I mean, none of their best players were even there. Well, Budigan was there. I don't think Fabrice was there. No, she wasn't there. So, I, I mean, it, it didn't even seem like – again, Croatia didn't seem like they put their best foot forward. Just like in VNL, they, they certainly yeah. didn't. They, they didn't in this tournament. So uh, thanks for participating. Good luck in European Golden League and have fun not making it out of pools in Eurovolley in all likelihood. Uh, anything else on the women's side for Challenger Cup? No. Good job, France. Congratulations. 
We'll see you good, next year. Good job, France. We'll see you next year in VNL. Speaking of teams that we'll see in next year's VNL, congratulations to Turkey. Third time's the charm for the Turkish men. They come up short in the 2019 and 2022 Challenger Cups. Obviously, they lost last year in the final to Cuba, but they have gotten it done. They have survived a five-setter against the hosts from Qatar. They also beat Ukraine in five in a match that was basically the final in the semis. So the Turkish men will play VNL next year. They joined the Turkish women. And uh, I agree that this was kind of the best outcome as well. I mean, whoever, whoever won between Turkey and Ukraine should have definitely won the final. And I'll be the first one here to thank Turkey for not blowing it in the finals and saving us from a reality where we had to watch Qatar go 0 and 12 oh, in next year's VNL. Thank, so, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you. not making that a reality. Maybe it would have been nice for it to be a little more convincing in the finals, but uh, yes, Turkey will play next season's VNL. And I think that if they have all their players healthy, which is a huge if, uh, if they have all their players healthy, they could they could make a little bit of noise in next year's tournament. So I think this is good. Yeah, I think I... the level of VNL is improving with the <clears throat> bad teams getting relegated and being replaced by better teams in general. I will agree that I think the level of VNL on the men's side is definitely improving. From the women's side, I think it's more or less staying the same. About the same. But yeah. but on the men's side, you're definitely improving by putting in a team like Turkey. But I think it's going to be interesting to see for me to see Turkey next year. I think they're going to be good, but I think they're going to struggle a little bit more than some of their more more ardent fans. <laughs> Burkai, um, <laughs> think 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 they are. You know, I think some of their fans think that these guys are going to go right straight into the playoffs. But I. Th- I think they're going to be struggling. Uh, they're they're going to be a part of the relegation race for sure, um, because they're they're a con- they're going to be a contender team, right? So there's there's no doubt about that. But I do think that it's going to be a little bit harder for them, and we're going to see them drop in the world standings ultimately because they're going to start picking up some losses and getting knocked down some of those points. Yeah, they're going to start playing against a lot better teams, and that's okay. That's what you want. If if you're Turkey at this point, they've been hanging around the the ten, fifteen, twenty. <laughs> Like that, that's sort of mid-teens part of the world rankings for a little bit too long now to not be a VNL team. So I think this is a good step for them. The issue for Turkey is going to be depth. They yeah, that so. VNL is a tournament that really tests your depth. It, it, we've seen what happens to teams when they have to play when they have to play their starters for all twelve matches in VNL. We see their level tend to drop off pretty dramatically towards week three, and then. That's when teams start to get talked about uh, around the relegation conversation. So Turkey needs as many of their people to be healthy as possible. They need a capable backup to Adis Lagumja. Although I like this Khan Gurbruz guy, the lefty. Uh, he came he came in in a 6-2 a few times and I thought played pretty well. So uh, he is capable. If uh, Now this is a huge if. Let, let's say hypothetically we, we ever see Efe Mandaraja ever be healthy again ever the man who hasn't played volleyball in easily two years, if if he can come back and play and be another option at outside hitter, that would really help. But I actually kind of do like Turkey in the middle. They've got three, at least three, decent middles. They've got two liberos they use. Uh, Otis is excellent, obviously. And uh, I think, I, I, don't, I don't see him making the playoffs in next year's VNL, but they're going to be respectable. I think they're going to be better than... Like a like a next year's Bulgaria, I, I don't see them being particularly good. I see Cuba probably losing some bad games. I, um, Canada is is a question mark. Easy uh, now, easy now. Watch it. I've had enough bad blood with Burkai about this, and uh, next year we're gonna be healthy. Okay, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I am like <clears throat> looking at looking at these, and 
I was either working this weekend or watching beach volleyball. So didn't didn't really watch much of this, but just looking at these box scores, especially in that semifinal match against uh, uh, against Ukraine, only 18% efficiency down there for Adel Sukumjia. Um, yeah, not so Arum, good. Not so good. Just the, this is the efficiency overall from this uh, Turkey team on the men's side, not so good. So once again, like you, you mentioned that, that depth, like the fact that Tsubasi is still out here playing for Turkey, I think kind of shows where, where their team is at and where they have some fantastic players, especially looking at Adis Lukumja. But we know that he's a little bit error prone and uh, sorry, a little bit injury prone and uh, it's doubtful. I think that he'll be able to carry, you know, carry Turkey through 12 matches throughout, throughout the year. So it's, it's going to be interesting for me to to see Turkey. I think they're once again. I think they were definitely elevating things, but I think reality might slap them in the face a little bit once they get into the VNL and they see the level and and how how high it is and the schedule and everything. Like it's a tough thing to do. I mean, we saw it with Cuba this year, right? Cuba yeah. is a team that like walked through this tournament last year, right? Ukraine went to went to went to three or went to five, five twice in in both those matches, including against Qatar. So. I think that once you get into the VNL, it's it's really it's it's really easy to get high up in your team as they're going through the Golden League and they're going through the Challenger Cup and you see them rising through the rankings and they're winning lots of games and you see other teams in the VNL like struggling and then once you get there and once you get to the show, things are a lot different, right? All right, there's people in the chat saying that you think Turkey is better than the Netherlands. That's insane. No, that that is no. not a good. No, team. you're the wrong. Ne- the Netherlands are far, far, far better than Turkey at every position, including opposite. I also think that Canada is better than Turkey. Everett, I, I will back you up on this. You, like, do not overrate this Turkish <laughs> team just because they won Challenger Cup. They went to five with Qatar. For God's sake, they're they're by no means uh, a guaranteed stay in VNL next year. VNL is hard. We've seen Turkey capture lightning in a bottle once or twice in big national team tournaments. They've been good at Eurovolley. They they were pretty good at last year's world championship. But seriously, the schedule of VNL, 12 matches, three weeks of international travel is going to test the depth of their roster. There is a learning curve to succeed in that tournament. It's not going to happen right away for the Turkish men's team. It's, do it's, not do not expect them to make the playoffs. There is no way they're better than the Netherlands. No, no, chance. not or Slovenia. I see some no. in, in the same no. bucket as Slovenia out there. No. I mean, I think this past this past World Championships was the easiest World Championships to come in and steal some wins. Ever. Right, you're only playing yeah. three. You're only playing three matches in pool play. You're not playing every single day. You have a, a, a day off in between matches. That's a, a, especially for a team like Turkey that didn't have to compete at the VNL all summer. Like that's a perfect opportunity for them to come in and and cause some commotion so yeah like once you're once you're actually in the big leagues with the big teams things are a lot more difficult they, the things things are a lot more difficult absolutely um, yeah so like people in the chat being like sorry ever but turkey over canada no get out of a tournament without beating qatar in five <laughs> and then we can talk you know like yeah and there was bad volleyball at points in that qatar game because qatar is not good yeah they're just not good and and Turkey just did not play well enough. I mean, they let's see, Lagumju was good, nineteen for thirty seven in the final, but everywhere else just not that great. That uh, they they even got beat by let's see, what, what was what was Qatar's opposite's name? Uh, I wish I remembered. 
not, not that I'm I'm paying that close of attention. Oh, that, that Mubarak guy. That, that's him. He came in off yeah, the bench. Mubarak. Mubarak. Yeah, like you, you can't go. You can't be going five with Qatar and expect to be a VNL contender. Like that's just not how it works. Now the win over Ukraine in the semis was impressive, and uh, now Ukraine wasn't all that good. Ole Plotnitsky didn't have his best day. Um, Turkey did have 18 blocks. That is a big number for a five-set match. Uh, also, Ukraine made 23 service errors, so that was a little bit of a sloppy slugfest. And both of those teams could play cleaner volleyball than that. And uh, like you mentioned, Legumja wasn't very good, only 18% efficiency. So, I, again, good for Turkey to win this tournament. They do belong in VNL next year. I think that is going to elevate the overall level of the tournament. Are they going to make the playoffs next year's VNL? No. No, you guys don't understand how much of a learning curve it is to play 12 matches against elite competition in three different places in the world. And with the schedule the way it is, it is not easy. And the teams that have done it before, Canada, Cuba now, Bulgaria, Netherlands, Slovenia, like the other challenger teams, will have an advantage having done it before. That does matter. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I mean, hey, if you want to go bring down that... uh the Canada versus uh, Turkey chat. Yeah, sure, you have us on the right side, but, like, Subasi and F.A. Byram on the left side, like, like you, you've got a good young guy, but I would pick Steve Amar over, or over Byram any day, and Subasi and Nick Hogue, that's, like, two geriatrics of the Eferlo League <laughs> out there, you know? Um, and I mean, hey, you... is like the very, 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 very poor man's Alexander Schliefka. Like, a, yes, a low... absolutely. hundred percent. And I mean, hey, like a decade ago when Arcus was really rolling and things and, and Subasha was like one of the guys, but he's old now and he shouldn't be carrying the team. I mean, if you want to go back to that, uh, that Turkey versus Ukraine match, 12 errors for Ole Plotnitsky. Right, nineteen yeah. for forty-four with twelve errors out there, and it doesn't differentiate between blocks and, and unforced errors. But still, like there was a lot of a lot of errors and 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 such on the Ukrainian side. So I would never at one point say that like Turkey dominated, and the and Ukraine is. I think last year at the Euros we saw them kind of in a perfect situation where they got brought in. There was no pressure on their backs. They're playing for their country in, you know, unprecedented times. It's a little bit easier to go through like a, a tournament like that. So I'm still not even that imp- or impressed. And uh, I- I'm still not expecting that much from, from Turkey or Ukraine either. So once again, Turkey, fantastic job. I do think that you're the most deserving country, without a doubt, to come into the VNL. But welcome to the big boy table, and I think it's going to be a little rougher than you than you expect it to be. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, they they dropped Turkey dropped a set to the Dominican Republic, which you should not do. Uh, yeah, the, this there's a lot about this Challenger Cup tournament that I don't like. Like Qatar getting the one seed as the host <laughs> and, and getting a just a laughably easy bracket. They got to play Thailand and Chile. Like, get out of here. Meanwhile, yeah. that, that right side of the bracket was a legitimate gauntlet. I mean, um, Ukraine did beat China in the first round, and China didn't bring all their players, but they had Zhang Jingyin, and he's really good. And like Ukraine had to work much, much harder on that right side of the bracket. Whatever. Uh, the Challenger Cup is the Challenger Cup. Um, it does a good job in giving us our last VNL team, but uh, I think we've already talked about it enough. Yeah, Good absolutely. for Turkey. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes for you next year. Uh, we'll see how it goes for you guys later on at the at the Euros this year. Right? Yes, indeed. That that will be a, a, a pretty good indicator when once they start to get up against some uh, some really re- legit teams. I was actually just uh, just recently starting to look at 
some of the pools and some of the situations for Euro volley because yeah. I haven't I haven't looked into it at all until just yesterday. Turkey does have an easy pool. They have France and then they have a bunch of trash teams. They have France, then they have Greece, Romania, Portugal, and Israel. So they'll they'll get out of pools no problem. But uh, we'll see if they can, we'll see if they can get past that round of sixteen in Euros, which we'll we'll talk about in a couple weeks. But uh, yeah, good for Turkey. You're going to VNL, but please temper your expectations once you get there. Please. There's an in- interesting comment in the chat here um, from uh, Emil Keith Antonio. VNL Challenger Cup should be a single round robin. I kind of actually agree with that. I don't hate that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you put because then yeah, because these other teams like the let's see, Thailand, Tunisia, Dominican Republic, and China, like they all flew to Qatar to play one match, and then they go home. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I kind of like the round robin idea. Yeah, have all eight of them have have them play each other, or maybe not a, a full round robin because seven matches per that team is, is, that is that is probably it's probably too much. But uh, I, I like that better. It might might produce a bit more worthy of a worthy of a champion or at least like get a little bit more out of that tournament i, I don't hate that idea that, that's, that's in, in 2019 it was two pools of four really and then they moved on with the top two teams moving into the semifinals it was I'd like be okay play, with that you play three matches in the pool play semifinals and then finals yeah i'd be okay with that yeah it's really just like a three-day three-day thing with the yeah four i mean half the teams only play one match and they go home all right, whatever. I think that's uh, that's plenty of info about the Challenger Cup. Um, before we move on to some, uh, we got some fun Discord stuff that mm-hmm. uh, our our friend Bean Dog put together a uh, top ten polls of uh, men's players in the world at each position. That that's been uh, the topic of conversation after after VNL. We'll get into that in a minute. But but first, what we have to talk about first is that volleyball dot store. Everett, let the people know. Absolutely. I may be sick right now. My voice might be all gravelly, but still, you guys have to head over to that volleyball.store. Use the code SPICY for 15% off your entire order. We're going to be at some uh, events coming up in the next little bit, so we definitely want to see you guys wearing uh, some spicy volleyball gear, some 9 by 9 gear when we're there. Quebec City, looking at you. Charleston, West Virginia, also looking at you guys out there for, for Norseca. So, yeah, make sure you guys pick it up and... Uh, rep the brand while you guys are at uh, different events this year oh yeah got some good stuff uh, that code spicy is for viewers of this show you get 15 percent off make sure you use that and then uh, of course it's time to talk about where's daddy it's time to remind everybody that daddy stankovich our hero is hidden somewhere in this show he's hidden somewhere in every show and when you find daddy stankovich and you comment where he is in the main YouTube comment section after the stream is over. You comment the timestamp. You get a shout out the following week. So last week we were talking about the wrap up of VNL, which, uh, by the way, was our best show ever in terms of number of viewers. So that was awesome. Thanks for tuning into that. We were talking about the bronze medalist Japan and how well deserving they were. And you can see in Japan's bronze medal celebrations there on the top row on the left. There's Daddy Stankovic. Uh, Daddy Stankovic has played for a lot of different teams this VNL. <laughs> he has. I've, I've really put his face on uh, a lot of different teams. So. Inter- international man of wonder is Mr. Daddy Stankovic. Indeed. Uh, the most interesting man <laughs> in the world, some might call him. So yeah, Daddy Stankovic there suiting up for Japan. Uh, we had a, a, a good handful of people find him right away. Our friend Kenny McGraw found him first. Uh, Mark Flurry, our friend Devin from the Volleyball Coverage Channel, our friend John Lau, like all, all these people. Um, immediately found Daddy Stankovic and put it in the comments. So good job. Uh, make sure you look for Daddy Stankovic in this show. 
And when you find him, comment the timestamp. Not not in the live chat, but comment in the main YouTube comment section after the show is over, and you'll get a shout out next week. So um, we all I, I love I have the best fun hiding Daddy Stankovic and uh, just doing a terrible Photoshop job and putting him somewhere random every week. I, I get a good laugh out of it. So hopefully you guys do too. It's always fun. Love it. Where's Daddy? So. Moving on from Daddy Stankovic, uh, this was a fun little exercise that the Discord did earlier this week. Or it kind of started towards the end of Men's VNL, but it was uh, after VNL wrapped up last week, we really got the last votes in, the votes counted, and uh, our friend Bean Dog from Finland did a great job of compiling all the data and ranking according to the Volleyball Source Discord, which you should join, by the way, the link's in the description. According to the Volleyball Source Discord, the top 10 men's players in the world at each position right now. And uh, I mean, we didn't really give super clear criteria on like a timeline of this. I think that it's mostly uh, like the top 10 players in the, in the world at this very moment. I think there is a little bit of like a, a legacy or a reputation element to it, but looking at these results to me ever, there's a lot of recency bias. There is a oh, yeah. A lot of recency bias. And first and foremost, let's start off with the outside hitter position, which I think is probably the most interesting one. Speaking of recency bias, Alexander Schliefka, according according to the Volleyball Source Discord, is the number one outside hitter in the world. <coughs> I think that is dripping in recency bias. So I'll read them down, then we can discuss. Uh, Alessandro Micheletto of Italy, number two. Tomas Fornal of Poland, number three. Yuki Ishikawa of Japan, number four. Wilfredo Leon of Poland, number five. Irvin Ingapet of France, number six. Bartosz Bednors, Poland, number seven. Ricardo Lucarelli of Brazil, number eight. Daniele Lavia of Italy, number nine. And Ole Plotnitsky of Ukraine, number 10. Everett, what are your thoughts? This is a difficult position group to rank, but I guess we should start. Is Alexander Schliefka the best outside hitter in the world? I mean... If you're going with the recency bias, I can see why. You know, he had a fantastic VNL. He has won what three straight? Um, like he's the only Zaxa player. I think him and Kashmark are the, is the only Zaxa player to now win um, three straight uh, Champions Leagues, right? Smith, Smith, Smith. Yeah. Yes, you're right. But uh, so he he's definitely up there. But it's man, did Slivka have a better VNL than uh, than Ishikawa? Right. Entire like, he, tournament, he, maybe not. I mean, Shifka didn't play week one. Ishikawa played like every match, and Shifka was uh, just absolutely insane in the three matches in the VNL final. But this seems to me to be really, really influenced by recency bias. Yeah, absolutely. Really Leon down there at five is interesting. Yeah. I do like Ishikawa at four. I think that's actually exactly where I put him when I made my list. Yeah. For this, but uh, I mean, I put Igor Kliuka way up there, and he's not even anywhere close. Now, like Russian players are an That's interesting, a tough, one. A, yeah. a tough one because we haven't seen them very much. But when we get later on into some of the other positions, there are some Russian players that show up yeah. or some players that play in the Russian league. So I put Kliuka up really high. I put Aaron Russell up really high. No Americans on this list. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm no Russell or TJ DeFalco. Right, DeFalco was the best. You know, arguably the best left side hitter in the Pus League of this year. I think Plotnitsky being in there is questionable at best. I mean, 
at the end of the day, like if if, if Plotnitsky was one of the top ten guys, he might be he would he would be starting on a team on a regular basis. And the reality is that he's just not. I know the situation at Perugia is a little bit different, but <clears throat> it's really hard to see, especially like hey, like you're telling me he's a top ten outside hitter and he couldn't even get his team past the semifinals of the Challenger Cup. You know, there's 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 some there's some things to look at there. So I know that we value Plotnitsky a lot, and we've joked about a lot throughout the regular season that hey, maybe we need to free Plotnitsky. But this is the tenth best outside of here in the world. I would disagree with that. I actually did put him at number ten when I made my list. Oh, yeah, I, I think Ole is amazing. I think he's really good. Who did who did you not have on your list here then? Lucarelli, I didn't have. Okay. Uh, I don't think I had Bednor. Is like I, I don't think I. I definitely wasn't willing to put five or sorry, four Polish guys in the top 10. I, I know we talk about their outside position group being ridiculous and it is, it is the best in the world. It's, it's insane how good they are at this position, but I definitely didn't put four of them in my top 10. Um, I had Mikoletto, I had Fornal, I had Ishikawa, I had Leon. I think I had Inga Pet in there somewhere, but I don't think I had Bednors. I didn't have Lucarelli. I definitely did have uh, Igor Kliuka and Aaron Russell. And then the rest, it was all kind of shuffled around in some order. I, you guys I, Even you guys cannot forget how, how good Aaron Russell is. He has literally no weaknesses. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's 6'9". He touches high. He hits unbelievable on all three spots in the court. He's a world-class server, and he's a world-class ball control player. He's amazing in reception. Just because he played in Japan this year, you cannot forget about how, about how good my boy Aaron Russell is. Yeah, for not, and like, even slip. missing Leal, right? And Leal like carried, carried Brazil to uh, a medal at the World Championships last last year. It is still like, you know, like it's it's a lot different when when Leal's out there. We're going to see him probably for the the uh, Olympic qualifiers. So yeah, there's definitely some omissions on this list, but I think it's always tough. Like someone's always going to be left out. When you're doing a top ten like the list, oh yeah, right. All right, what's 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 the next list that we're going to look at here? Let's look at the middle blockers list, and there there were a couple on here that I was surprised by, but I think at the top, there's no doubt that Robert Landy Simone is number one. Absolutely no question. That was a no brainer. So I'll read them down once again, then we can talk about them. Robert Landy Simone of Cuba is number one. Mateusz Biniak of Poland is number two. David Smith of the United States is number three. Agustin Loser of Argentina, number four. Jakub Kochanowski of Poland, number five. Bartolomé Cinignese of France, number six. Sretsko Lisinac of Serbia, number seven. Marko Podrashanin of Serbia, number eight. Ivan Yakovlev of Russia, number nine. And Lukas Sotkamp of Brazil, number 10. Lukas does not belong on this list anymore. No. Sorry, you guys. He doesn't belong on this <laughs> list anymore. He is way past his prime. Way past his prime, absolutely. I do like the top. I'm not Me sure too. about Bianiak at number two, but definitely, you know, Robert Landy, without a doubt. I would almost like to see Lozare a little bit higher. I know that David Smith has the accolades, but just with the eye test, I would think Lozare is is one spot better than David Smith. I would put Lozare at number two right now. I, 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 I put really Lozare would. at number two. Yeah. And uh, I said Lozare Smith and then Biniak at four. I mean, Biniak's serve is is his best asset for sure. And he's he's an above average attacker, but he's just nowhere near as good of a blocker as Smith, Lozare and Simone. He's way lower in that category. And the position is called middle, middle blocker. Yeah, for sure. After all, I would put Biniak maybe somewhere around the nine range. 
David Smith, maybe somewhere around the six or seven. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I had Simon one, Loser two, Smith three. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, Smith, three, <coughs> champion, three Champions Leagues in a row, Champions League MVP, like that, that is extremely legit. I, I had Kuba up there. I had Shinanyese in my list somewhere. Um, I actually do like the Yakovlev pick, I think, because mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen him yeah. in a couple of years. We forget how unbelievable that man is. He is so good. But I absolutely cannot allow Lucas on this list. Not anymore, you guys. He's old. He's old. He's, he's, he's geriatric. Old. I mean, we saw it. We saw it in this VNL. Like he joined after week two and made no impact. Yeah, there are no no Brazilian middles that belong on this list. Uh, Flavio likes touching the net far too much to be included here. Um, I mean, I guess so. So, who are the omissions? Who belongs on this list that didn't get included? Jackson Howe. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I do love Jackson Hell. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, do we want to look at any like like an Anzani or a Russo or something like that? Like, yeah, a couple could of an Anzani like sneak into the top ten there without without Lucas Ockamp? Um, I wouldn't hate that. So let's see the the couple middles that just barely did not make the like cut. Huber. Norbert Huber, yeah, uh, Ilyas Kirkayev, who th- that would have been crazy to put him on there. Taylor Averill, uh, Sebastian Soleil, mm. Le- maybe not so much anymore. Once no. upon a time, definitely, yeah. Then uh, actually, fifteenth on the list is none other than Daddy Stankovic, who I think might have gotten might have gotten some meme votes. Speaking of meme votes, Tobias Crick, number 17. Get out of here. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd pick Brema. Like, oh, yeah. Brema to me. Brema was all the way down at 32. That's unforgivable. That guy is really good. That guy, if, if, I don't know if he's top 10, but he's just outside of the top 10. Like, I think he's sitting in like an 11 or 12. And I Russo think after a year, at Mod- I think at this year, after a year at Modena, Brema is going to be up there like i, I think agree. we saw him he'd be the only effective german player throughout the entirety of the vnl and now he's going to go through the, uh, the super league up yeah he's he's about to make a name for himself if he can stay healthy yeah i agree yeah brema 32 is is a crime russo 31 is a crime yeah uh, i think jan kozamernik at 23 is a crime mm-hmm. kozamernik's really good he's he's easily better than lucas right now he's better than um he, he could have cracked the top 10 i like kozamernik a lot uh, let's see. Uh, I think I like think maybe something like Alex Grozdanov. That, maybe yeah, not he, in the top ten, but dude, Grozdanov isn't even in the top forty. Oh uh, yeah, no, that's a that's an absolute shame. Huge option. You, you people are not watching enough volleyball if you don't know how good Alex Grozdanov is, or watching us enough because we talk about Grozdanov on a like we praise him a lot. So we do. I mean, uh, this again. This is voted on by the volleyball source Discord, and I, uh, Bean Dog did intentionally go in and remove individual votes that he thought were just memes. Mm. So uh, he tried to do that, but if if uh, if it ended up with Crick at seventeen and Brema at thirty-two, I think there might be a little bit more memery happen happening than was counted memery. in these votes. <laughs> yeah, Crick got a first place vote. That's clearly a meme vote. So uh, we we can throw that in the trash. But uh, Simone number one is a no-brainer. I agree that Biniak is a little bit overrated in this list. I, I think that Losser is number two. That guy yeah. is so good. The way he's playing right now is so is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and like it's it's interesting to see like 
like Smith isn't the biggest guy out there. Cuba, Lozair, like these are smaller guys all around who are dominating with speed and smarts. You know, it's they know the game so well and they play it just in such a perfect way. And it's almost kind of revolutionizing the middle blocker position a little bit. I mean, you're always going to have room for those guys. But when you look across this list, there's such a variety of different styles of play. Like if you compare Cuba to Tunanese to Lozere to Simon, there's so many different styles of plays in the, for the middle blockers. And I absolutely love that. And there's a lot of innovation happening in the men's game right now around the middle blocker position. That 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 that's sort of these drift routes that we're seeing people run. Losera is really good at them. Even Chinenyeze runs them. Uh, Simone will run them a little bit, just jumping sideways. Like the way that high level offenses are creating space now with their middles doing this crazy approach path stuff is really innovative and is is kind of highlighting the different levels of skill and the different styles of middle that we have in the world right now. And it's really cool. I'm a huge fan of, I mean, you and I are both former middles ever. We got to give middles some love when they deserve it. And both know? like former, like small, small middles, small middles yeah. too, right? So we had to find different ways to be, to be effective. We did. We did. So yeah, we love these guys. Uh, that that I, mostly good list, except for Lucas at 10. I, I really don't like that pick at all. Yeah. Uh, no, let's move yeah. on to the opposites. So the opposite position. Spicy. This is pretty spicy. So this we've one. got. We've got Namir at number one. Namir of the Netherlands at number one, I think, is a pretty popular pick. But after that, it gets interesting. Maxim Mikhailov of Russia, number two. Okay. Matt Anderson of the United States, number three. Svetan Sokolov of Bulgaria, number four. Barchash Kurek of Poland, number five. Adis Legumja of Turkey, number six. Lukasz Kaczmarek of Poland, number seven. Ivan Zaitsev of Italy, number eight. Jean Patry of France, number nine, and Alan Souza of Brazil, number 10. Okay. Okay. Ugh. We need to get into this list a little bit. We do. Because there is definitely, you've got some veteran bias up at the top there with Mikhailov, Anderson, Sokolov, and Kurek. Now, I know Sokolov has been playing in the Russian league and been, been somewhat relevant, but like, we haven't seen him in a while. I don't. I don't know how Sokolov makes it up there. It's not like he's playing inter- internationally. You're telling me that Adis Lagumja is better than Lucas Kaczmarek? Yeah, Did, are, have you guys not been watching the VNL? <laughs> Did you not watch the fine? Like, did you not watch us last show when we talked about how Kaczmarek could have been the MVP? Like, should have been. Should have been the MVP. Do you rate him above Kurek? I don't know yet. Right. Because let's let's be honest, he wouldn't have been playing if, if Kirik had been injured. But they're two different styles of, of opposites altogether. And Kaczmarek has three straight Champions Leagues. And we're gonna put him down at seventh behind Addis Lagumja, the walking like the walking infirmary. Like, <laughs> come on. Here's all you need to know. Addis Lagumja hit eighteen percent efficiency in a semifinal game of the Challenger Cup against Ukraine. Ukraine yeah. Lukacs Kaczmarek hit above fifty percent efficiency in a VNL final against the United States. End of conversation between those two players right there. If Russia was more relevant right now, I do still think that Mikhailov would be up there. I put Mikhailov number two. Uh, that, that's fair. I don't think Matt Anderson is, is necessarily there anymore. Like I would put him below guys like Kajmarek or um or Kurek and maybe even Jean Patry. Like Jean Patry, I think at down at nine is, is criminally low. Um I agree with that. We had we had an idiot in the Discord that's saying that was saying that Patry isn't even top twenty. Oh, 
one of the worst takes I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Uh, yes, I agree. Legum's just top ten, absolutely, but he's not better than Lukash Kachmarek. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do Lugumsh think that Sokolov. I do think Sokolov is top ten. I had him in there. Yeah. I do not think Alan Souza is top ten. No. I do not think Ivan Zaitsev is top ten anymore. No. I mean, he's he's not even on the national team roster anymore. So, uh, I don't. I don't think he should be included. I'm surprised that we have no Yuji Nishida out there. <laughs> that, that, but like that to me, like we could, you could. I think you could slot in Nishida at like nine or ten. You know. So or just, or, just or Miyaura. The 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 omissions here. Eleven was Yuri Romano. Twelve was Victor Politaev, who is never healthy. Thirteen Stefan Boyer. Fourteen Yergi Grozer. Fifteen Wallace. 16, Drazen Luberich, 17, Amin, 18, Camille Rikliski, 19, Wasim Bentara, 20, Karol Butrin. And then there's a handful of good names that come down after that. Like, I think I think Marek Shotola does, should have been a little bit higher. I think Bruno Lima should have been a little bit higher. Oh, yeah, Bruno Lima for sure, top scorer yeah. at the Olympics. Yeah, I think he should have been a little bit higher. Uh, even Jake Haynes got a vote. That had to have been a meme vote. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't belong anywhere close to here. Petar Zirlich got some votes. Jesus Herrera got some votes. Both Japanese opposites got some votes. Uh, I could see Herrera getting 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 some votes there. I don't sure. know if he's top ten, and he needs a little bit more consistency. Like he had what one? He's had one season in Italy, right? Who Nishida? No, uh, Herrera. Herrera, yeah, only one season in Italy. And then didn't even start that much because he was there with Rickliski, and who I also don't think is very good. I'm on I'm on record of saying that Rickliski is overrated and has a very low ceiling. So uh, I don't think he belongs in the top ten. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't put Allen in there. I definitely wouldn't put Zaitsev in there. I put Patri a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I put Kach- me, but... I put Kachmarik a lot higher. I put I, I put him higher than Kurek actually. Really, uh, I did. Yeah. Wow, I mean, I guess like Kirk plays in Japan. The Kachmark won three straight. He's big in Japan. Champions leagues. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying for a long time that I've I've, I've almost think that uh, Poland should transition to Kachmark, and I wonder now after this VNL if that's going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see how they play out uh, at Euros and uh, for the Olympic qualifiers later on this summer. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. I mean. I, I didn't put Boyer top 10, but I could have maybe seen it because of how good he was this club season. He was Yeah, you could slot him in like a 10 or a 9. Yeah. Maybe an 8. Patry is better. I think that's not debatable, but uh, especially on the national team level. But Boyer was the best player in the world for the first half of the club season. He was amazing. He was and, fantastic. Yeah. And he won the Plus League. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, where is Herrera? Yeah, he's down there. Nishida is, in fact, injury prone. I agree. It's funny. Uh, in in the distant, like past the top twenty, Nishida was twenty three. Mia Ura twenty four, right next to each other. Okay. I I also think that just might be because of the the Discord, because there's so, there's an anti haiku sentiment in the discord <laughs> you know we don't have any very many like staunch japanese fans who you know are are flooding other social media um outlets yeah there's a lot of like the discord's cultural influence in these lists definitely like it's it's not um i mean we got we got decent voting numbers here there there were a lot of people a good amount of people that participated in in, in these votings but there's definitely some 
some uh, some of the influence of the of the Discord's culture, which is which is awesome. I love the Discord's culture. Uh, it produced some interesting. Yeah, we, we we basically molded it and created it. <laughs> In the, this show was created for the volleyball source Discord about two years ago. So uh, there's there's something to that. I, I agree with people talking about Sokolov being really good. I think Svetlana Sokolov is easily top five. I think I put him at three actually. Yeah, think... Sokolov is still. If he was playing for a, a relevant national team and actually playing for them, and he was playing anywhere, like he's still playing for Dynamo Moscow, right? We know the quality of that team. We know that if Russia was relevant, they'd be in the Champions League. Um, who won the Russian league last year? I don't even know. Zanit Kazan did. Zanit Kazan, okay. Yeah, with Micah and uh, <laughs> M- Sam Daru, of all people, and Mikhailov. And... Yeah, they, they, they were super good. Uh, but yeah, Sokolov, he wasn't very good for Bulgaria at the World Championship last year which was the last time we saw him play in a national team tournament. But mm-hmm. um, club-wise, he's been extremely good. Yeah, somebody brought up the the 2019 Lube season when he was amazing. That that was That's kind of ancient history at this point. Yeah. I think Sokolov's really good. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, at the same time, I also think that like whenever you put on that Bulgarian jersey, it's a little tough sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've seen him play for, for Bulgaria, and I know there's a reason that he, he doesn't like it, let's say. No, he does not. He does not. It's taking a lot of time off from the national team here lately. All right. Anything else about opposites? No. Nope. All right. Let's move let's on to setters. Top setters in the world, according to the Discord. Number one, Micah Christensen of the USA. Number two, Luciano DiCecco of Argentina. Number three, Antoine Brizard of France. Number four, Bruno of Brazil. Number five, Simone Ginelli of Italy. Number six, Marcin Janusz of Poland. Number seven, Ricardo Spertoli of Italy. Number eight, Pavel Pankov of Russia. Number nine, Masahiro Sakita of Japan. And number 10, Kachopa of Brazil. Hmm. Why is Gianelli so low? Yeah, I would put Gianelli at three. Yes, right I, now, I did as well. ahead of Bizarre. I would put Bruno. If Bruno makes this list, he's down in the 10 9 range for sure. Um, Janusz, I would put like a little bit higher too. Maybe not better than Bizarre, but Janusz is up there. Pankov, it's tough. And I man, Sakita, especially with what we saw over this past VNL. Really good. I'd throw, I'd throw him in like a six, seven range, a little bit higher than down there at nine. Yeah, Bruno at four is by far <laughs> is by far the worst pick on this list. Same with Gianelli at five. I mean he uh, sure Perugia blew it this club season in epic fashion. We've talked about it a lot on this show. Um, Italy, he Ginelli himself didn't play very well for Italy at the end of VNL there, but he was by far the best player at the World Championship last year. You got to remember how good he was and how good he can be. He's way better than Bruno at this point in both of their careers. Ginelli is better than Brizard as well. I, I would, I my list was Micah, DiCecco, Ginelli, Janusz. Then Brizard at five. Okay. I, okay. I, th- I think I put Spertoli at six, actually. And I think I put Sakita at seven. So uh, I-, I was kind of close to this Ooh, list. I would, I would still put Sakita over Spertoli. Really? I yeah. Mean, Spertoli just won a Scudetto. He and, did, uh, but then Sak- didn't play Sakita's a minute in the VNL. And then we haven't seen That's him not his fault. That's not his fault. I mean, it. You, th- you think Italy wouldn't do just fine with him, especially because all of Italy's starting wings are Spertoli's club teammates? I think Spertoli is is very level head. Like I still think that they would do just fine, but 
I think that Sakita makes the guys around him better, right? I think Sakita adds more to the offense and adds more to how they're able to play the game than Spiritually does. I think Spiritually is very level-headed. I think he his location on the ball is is really, really good. He's just solid all around. But I don't think he's going to like add that extra dimension to your offense that's really going to blow you away, which I think Sakita does. I I, I, th- I really think that he adds a different dimension with the way he runs it, how his how fast his hands are. You know, he's getting one on ones. Like the fact that Japan is so like the fact that to me, like I think that Japan, some of J- Japan's middles are, are some of the best in the world right now because of the way Sakita sets them. Maybe not uh, like defensively, but he opens things up for their middles so so well, and they're not that good. Like there's no Japanese middles on that list, but yet we talked about how relevant Japan's middles were throughout the entirety of the VNL, and that to me is all due to Masahiro Sakita. He needs to be higher. I would definitely put put him higher than than Spertoli. Uh, I would not. I would not just yet. I mean, the, the Japanese middles aren't even top 50 in the world in attacking. They're certainly not top 50 in the world in blocking. But yeah, Sakita gets them the openings. Even I could score in the openings that he gets them. Uh, Sakita's really good. I agree. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I'm, but I'm not considering just the VNL. I'm not considering just national team. Spiritually winning a Scudetto is way bigger than anything Sakita will ever accomplish in his club career. I mean that's so, that's hard because he's only going to play in Japan, right? So he played in Poland for a year and then went back. He played he? in Poland for a couple of years, yeah. Hmm. Played for like uh, mid tier at best Polish teams in the Plus Liga for a couple of years. Yeah, I played for Lubin for one year. Yeah. Uh, so uh, omissions here. Tony Ut was number eleven, mm. which I, I could have maybe seen him cracking the list even at his age. Uh, Matias Sanchez number twelve. Paulo Poro, number thirteen. I completely disagree with that. I thought <laughs> that's that's a meme for sure. Yeah, definitely. That's I do. A, I do like his meme. upside. Uh, Maruf, old man Maruf at fourteen. Miguel Tavares at at, 14, at fifteen. I don't know about that. Johannes yeah. Tila, sixteen. I actually do kind of like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe Jan, a little bit higher for him, even. Jan Firle, seventeen. Micah Maa, eighteen. Lucas Campa, nineteen. Gregor Roper at twenty. Uh, no Josh Tuaninga anywhere on the list. Where's Luke Kerr, guys? Come on. What, what's going on here? Talk oh, to man. Bean Dog. <clears throat> what other what, I mean, what other omissions can I think of here? I'm trying to think of like other setters on good club teams. Like who are the other good good setters for the best Polish teams? I mean, Tuaninga is a big omission. Tuaninga is a big omission. Yeah, the, the finals in Poland was Janusz against Tony Uti that that those have those have been accounted for. Uh, I guess Tavares for Xavier Che, I guess that's fair. He's mm-hmm. he's staying there for another year. I do like Tila at Berlin. I think he's really good. Um, I actually do like the Pankov pick. I, I have a tough time comparing him to everybody else because we haven't seen him in so long. But yeah, um, I also don't – I wouldn't have put any other Russian setters up there. It's weird. It, it feels like there's a, a big drop-off after the top like seven or eight setters. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt, Arslan Exi from Zirat. Get out no. of here! Don't be ridiculous. No, no, nah. He, no. He could, he could barely lead his team past Qatar and Challenger Tuck, Challenger Cup. Get out of here! Exactly. Uh, Amy Amy Tervaporti got a vote. I wonder who that could have been from. Couldn't have been somebody from <laughs> Finland who might who happened to <laughs> conduct these polls. <laughs> Ooh. 
Everett's dying over there. Don't worry, this is a professional establishment. I, I was able to mute him before his coughing fit really picked up. <laughs> Hang in there, buddy. All right, let's move on. Last but not least, we've got to talk about Liberos. Um, this is actually the list that I like the most. Uh, number one, Jenny Grabenikov of France. Number two, Eric Shoji of the USA. Number three, Tomohiro Yamamoto of Japan. Number four, Fabio Balasso of Italy. Number five, Luke Perry of Australia. Number six, Santiago Danani of Argentina. Number seven, the MVP, Pavel Zatorski of Poland. Number eight, Jakub Popivczak, also of Poland. Number nine, Tales of Brazil. And number 10, Lori Kerminen of Finland. I don't, know okay. about, I don't know about that one, but uh, everyone else, I actually like this list a lot. Uh, Grabenikov 1, Shoji 2, I think is a no-brainer. Um, I put Belasso 3, Yamamoto 4, but I'm okay with them the way they are. I put, okay. Perry, I put Perry 5, Denani 6, and I put actually Popivchak 7, Zatorski 8. Uh, so my top 8 are actually really similar to the Discord's list. All right, fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I actually like this list. Yeah, me too. Um Zatorski over Popichek? I'm not entirely sure. I know we saw Zatorski play this VNL, so okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Kermanen, where did he play this year? Russia. Russia. Uh, he's okay. team on Moscow, I think. So, yeah. I, I like Kermanen as, as the, there, too. I'm trying to think of anyone else who would deserve to be in this top 10. So, Yanni Kovacic of Slovenia was Kovacic, 11th. Yeah. He, he was next up on the list. And then, then there was a drop-off. Uh, Benjamin Diaz of France, I actually really like. He's really okay. good. And he's going, uh, I think he's going to the Plus Liga next year. I can't remember where, but he's he's rock solid. Uh, Ilya Fyodorov is this young kid that plays libero for Zeni Kazan. He's Russian. He's actually really good, too. Uh, Sconferla, uh, the Italian guy. Uh, Mikey, the Brazilian guy, they're, they're down there. Uh, Tomohiro Ogawa must be the backup Japanese libero. I know nothing about him. Uh, yeah. Kuba Havriluk is a young Polish libero who's really good. Zenger of Germany. Uh, Landon Curry got a couple of votes. Well, let's go. Let's go. Which, which is cool, but I, I definitely, <coughs> he's definitely not in the top 10 yet. No. Yet. I, hope, I hope that he gets there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually kind of like this list. I, I definitely wouldn't put Talis anywhere higher than nine. Clearly, his best skill is is jump serve reception. He's really, really good at receiving spin serves, but fl- float serve reception and defense, I don't think he's anything special. So I'm, I'm okay with Talis at nine, but not anywhere higher. I don't know. I kind of like this list. I, I don't have yeah. that. Many, I don't have any complaints here. This list is solid. Good job, guys. You did well. Yeah. Good. Good job, Discord. You, you figured it out. Uh, okay. And anything else about these top 10 lists? I, I, th- I think this is a pretty fun exercise. No, I definitely think we should do this some more. We should. Yeah. yeah every, everybody likes ranking things. Everyone likes when their voice is heard. So Absolutely. if you, if you want your voice to be heard, make sure you join the volleyball source discord. The link's in the description. It's the best online volleyball chat community in the world. And, uh, it produces a lot of great memes. It's, 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 all, it's always a good time. Like I was saying the, the discord's culture influenced these lists. The, the discord's culture is is something else. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's morphed uh, into its own thing now. We have no really control has, over it over anymore. It's qu- quite the hive mind. Yeah, we, we have lost control over it, and that's great. <laughs> that, that, I think that's a great thing. We have uh, we have idiots in the Discord, and I think that's kind of how we, we know we, we, we know that we've made it. If, if, if there are stooges delivering absolutely insane takes in the Discord, I think that's how we know that we've made it as a community. That uh, we, we that we have morons spitting garbage like Jean Patry is in the top twenty five <laughs> opposite in the world. So, um, I I do like that. Yeah, we should do women's. 
we should do women's. I think it would be a lot harder to rank the women. I would have I would have a tough time, especially like outside hitters on the women's side. I'm trying to think like past like your your Gabi and your Federov Seva. I would have a really tough time. Sorry, I, I, you you were muted for that take oh. because you were too busy coughing. Uh, yeah, saying Alexa Gray, who uh, I'm was, struggling right now. Yeah, you are struggling, but it's okay. I think we're basically at the end of the show. I think we're uh, we don't have really anything else to talk about. This is a, a much shorter show because it's really all we had was Challenger Cup. Uh, ever here, here's what I think we should do. Next week we're going to do a show. I think we should. I think we should catch up on club transfers next week. Oh, a, that's. Yes, yes, some, let's something do that. People beg us to talk about club transfers <clears throat> during national team season, which I don't like doing because there's actual national team volleyball happening. But right now there's not. There is no national team volleyball happening until the very, very end of August. For uh, That's when you, that's when Eurovolley is and then uh, Norseka is our early September. So I think next week we should, we should talk about club transfers. And then the week after that, uh, I don't think we're going to do a show because I will be gone. I will be in Europe, which will be very cool. Uh, what am I doing in Europe? I'm chilling. Uh, my my wife's family is going to Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, and I'm I'm going for like the back half of the trip. So I'm going to I think Belfast, Edinburgh, Glasgow, London. It's going to be fun. Sweet. So that that's in two weeks. So we probably won't do a show in two weeks, but we will do one next week. And I think we should talk about club transfers. And while we and while we talk about club transfers, we will get a poll going in the Discord about women's top tens. I think that, that's yeah, the, I love that. That's good next love step. That. And then that basically brings us to Eurovolley. Our step of of Eurovolley and uh, Norsecas and stuff like that. So yeah. So yeah, let, let's let's do that. So we'll do a club transfer <coughs> show next week. We will not have a show the week after that. So that's like the week, like the second week of August. Let me, let me look at the calendar here really quick. So yeah, we'll do a show next Monday, August 7th. And then no show the week of August 14th. And then we'll be back the week after that. And that'll be a Eurovolley preview. So I think that kind of works out really well. Let's go. Let's go. All right, people. I mean, this is a much shorter show. It's only an hour, but that's kind of all we've got. So uh, yeah, thanks for watching. There's, there's not much else going on. I'm dying. <laughs> Everett can't breathe, so we'll let him, we'll let him go, uh, go figure it out over there. Stop that coughing fit. We'll see you guys next week. We'll talk about some club transfers. We'll see you guys in the Discord. We'll put some, uh, some polls together for the top ten women's players in the world at each position. Look how, That'll be. Look how thirsty the chat is getting now that we've mentioned tra- transfers. Oh my god! Transfers, well, hey? I'm surprised everyone's so excited about. <coughs> I don't really get it, but whatever. Well, yeah. Congratulations, people. We'll. Tune in next week's show. We'll talk about club transfers. Make sure you find where Daddy Stankovic was and comment where he is after the show is over. And, uh, yeah, Everett, go, go catch your breath there, buddy. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.